Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we dig into some of our favorite games and discuss what we learned from them, uh, also why we like them. Uh, for those of you out there counting, this is episode number eight, and it's coming at you on September 13th, 2017. My name is Chase Strollenberg, and I am joined today by... Stu Gritter. Hi, Stu Gritter. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. How are you today, Chase? Oh, I'm... You know what? I'm actually doing pretty good. I, I know we've uh, we've been away for a while. Uh, I feel pretty guilty about it. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can remedy that and give you one heck of a good show, because there's tons to talk about. There is. All right, so for anybody who is approaching this show for the very first time, never encountered this stuff before, um, we, every single episode, uh, Stu and I choose a game, we dissect that game in terms of uh, just the basic mechanics, so we'll, we'll take it apart, um, we'll talk about level design, anything like that, and all that we're looking for is, number one, uh, what makes it fun, why we like it, but number two... Um, what sort of educational value can come out of a game? Because at the end of the day, um, I, I believe, and I hope Stu believes, uh, that, that, uh, this pastime, this hobby that so many people enjoy, uh, is actually like, it's, it's actually contributing to who you grow into being and, and who you are. So that is what we're trying to do. Uh, how do you feel about that, Stu? Did, did I do that justice this time? That was a little clunkier than usual. Uh, well, yeah, it was like a box going down a slide instead of the nice smooth ball like usual. But that's all right. I think yeah. the point got across. I'm knocking the rest off, if you will. Um, was there anything you wanted to say off the top before we start jumping into our regular show? Uh, no, nothing from the get-go. Okay. Uh, so yeah, then I guess what we will do is we'll just jump into the next section. So, uh, this next section is what we learned this week. This is the segment of the show where we discuss things that we learned about gaming this week, or in this case, a number of weeks, because we have been on hiatus. Uh, Stu and I love tech and gaming news, so remember if you have any news or tech updates, uh, you'd like us to discuss... Just shoot them our way at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's our email. Um, generally, you shoot them our way, and we will definitely discuss them. So, um, Stu, did you have anything you wanted to talk about off the top? I've got a couple of things, but uh, I, I think you had something in your hat. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mr. Mr. Greg sent us an email. Um he sent us a book, actually. Calling it an email would be doing it a disservice. Well, um, you know, he's committed. Yeah, yeah. And he, he and I talk about gaming stuff all the time, too. So um, I went on vacation, and he just saved up all of his, all of his things that he wanted to say for, for, for an email. So there we go. Um, I think I, I wanted to boil it down a bit because <laughs> there's a lot in there. Um, at the end of it, he kind of he, he talks a bit about survival games he wants to pimp out a bunch of games because they're, they're those are his favorite um right games like uh cataclysm dark days ahead unreal world neo scavenger uh he touches on dwarf fortress a little bit right and part of the reason that he really likes these uh is the kind of the emergent gameplay and the emergent stories the dynamic stories that come out of them right um he thinks that that's that's a really important part of gaming he's kind of like we're kind of waiting for AAA games to do that kind of thing right when we've seen so many indies 
kind of do a decent job of it. It'd be yeah. nice to see what a bigger budget can do exploring those kinds of things. Um, it, it brings a lot to gameplay. It brings a lot to immersion. And a lot of games, I don't know, a lot, a lot of the stories aren't super great. But mm, being able to have dynamic stories and emergent stories especially. By emergent, I mean they're not necessarily hand-placed. But stories and gameplay come out of just things that happen in the system of the game. Um, things like making small personal challenges for yourself. Uh, There's probably a quick, easy example. Um, but we want to see more of that kind of thing. That That's what really brings games to life. And those kinds of things encourage people to think more critically about games, not only as they're playing them, but after the fact. It kind of lends a bit of a real-world credence to them. It's a, it's a weird, interesting thing. Okay. Um, hmm. Could, would you be able to give, uh, give an example of either uh, like a game um, that is both dynamic and emergent? Ooh. And and how it works right now. So like if say if in the impossible situation that there's uh, we have a AAA developer's ear. Well, I I think one of the things so, some dynamic stories and emerging gameplay could come out of something like DayZ, uh, when it's not uh, just like a PvP, um, what's the word? like a camp spawn camp fest. Um, it, it you can develop really interesting stories and things out of that game. It does happen every now and then. You know, if you, if you go scouring through stories about Daisy and um, players' stories about it, ninety nine of them will be terrible, but one out of a hundred will be like really fascinating <laughs> ab about yeah. trying to meet up with their buddy across the continent and they got tangled up with some other people and had a standoff at some point and some weird stuff happened and there was this tentative agreement and cooperation thing going on and then another party came in. There's, it's a lot more like dynamic conflict that can arise from a game like that. It's not, yeah. it's not black and white. The tools that you're using in every situation are not going to be the same every time. So the, the rules of the game kind of change depending on the situation. Okay. Um... Yeah, I feel like as we get, um, well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to accurately predict where video games are going, but um, I don't know. Uh, I guess the accessibility to VR. Um, once we have situations where we have worlds that are are as immense and rich as even just you know like a, a part of a continent, like sort of the the type of map you might get from Arma, um, but or even something like a, a Warcraft world, like where we get people hanging out in there, but there are, how can I say this? It's, it's sort of like what happens whenever you start a new MMO and everybody's always sort of trying to do this where they want people to go and stake out their claims. I wonder if the new Conan does this very well or not, where you, people just start building up, like you literally build everything, but you can also destroy everything. Um, so then, like, the, the weird sort of discourse and conversations that happen between tribes, um, and, like, literally human tribes, so, like, people playing and how you start to navigate each other, do you trade or do you just kill each other, stuff like that, right? 
Um, I mean, a lot of that stuff exists in some of the MMOs that are already out there. Like, Eve is a good example. Um, a very, very good example. But, uh, uh, yeah, something where that would just sort of spawn right and, away. And and I think, I think that's why he brings up survival games, and that's why he, he enjoys them so much, is that they're there's a, a greater propensity to see that in a survival game, something like Rust, I guess, uh, where, it, where it is, you know, a multiplayer server and you build everything up from scratch and it can all be taken away from you. It there, <laughs> cha- cha- changes <laughs> things, like, you know? That actually ties, that ties into my yeah. game today. I'm going to, we can talk about that later. <laughs> yes, when somebody yes, takes away the things you, when somebody takes away the things right, you the love. The things that you build. love, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. We all learned lessons from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. I can't yeah. wait to talk about good. that. Yeah. So, Stu, do you, did you want to say anything else, or can I move on to some of the stuff I, I got? I guess you can go. Okay, cool. Uh, so <laughs> I, did a, I did a thing. I did a thing at work. Um, uh, yeah, well, no, it's not that bad. Uh, one you still have a job? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. Good. No, one of my fellow employees, uh, sometimes I, I mean, I've got, I don't know how to describe this. Basically, I have a way of, when I talk to people, generally they end up opening up and they, they tell me about their lives. I, I don't know. It's just how things work. And it's okay. Like, I enjoy it because I enjoy hearing people's stories. But I got somebody to talk to me about their pastimes. And um, he was talking to me about, uh, he he had, like, sort of built up shame about how much time he had played and invested in world of warcraft and i was just like oh well (laughs) like funny you should say that um because of like exactly what we're trying to do with this podcast um and i was just like look man like the hours that you spent playing world of warcraft think about the roles that you you took and what you did i and i asked him like did you do a lot of raiding and he said, "Yeah, like we were always at the we were always at the end. Like we went to um, end game every time, and then it was just raiding and trying to find better processes and and like sort that out and like grow as a group." And I'm like, "How often were you sort of like in charge of a raid? What sort of roles did you play?" And eventually, I just sort of like explained to him, like there are transferable skills from these events from these things that you did every time you took control of a raid or every time you took control of a group and went into an instance like that's this is going to sound weird but that's sort of what is needed in management um like being being able to call the shots intelligently by assessing the abilities of the people around you in order to accomplish a goal that is management by definition Right. You, well, I mean, there's bad management and good management, but that's a representation of good management when you ha- when you can recognize your resources and use them effectively to accomplish a goal. Yeah. Um, and when I put it like that, like his perception of what he had done with his time flipped so quick. And he's just like, I had never thought about it like that. And I'm like, well, most people <laughs> don't talk about video yeah. games that way. Yeah. Um, and it made me feel good about what we're doing. I was just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, yeah, damn right, feel good yeah. about playing WoW. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, uh, lead, leading Raiden having to make a snap decision and call out the right stuff constantly, most people can't make a decision in that amount of time, let alone make the right decision every time and instruct a group of players on how to react accordingly to, you know, shit that's going on really quickly. 
Yeah. Yeah. But that got me thinking. Um, I might start creating a framework of just... And I know that we're amateurs. Like, there's only so much that we can accomplish. But I want to start creating a framework of genres and then potential transferable skills based on what you're doing within a game. Um, and, and just see what I come up with. Um, like, going from personal experience, I think that there's there's some potential uh and i maybe i can vet it with some people who actually know what they're talking about uh, i don't expect we'll get big sample sizes or anything or even do a lot of uh do a lot of testing but uh, like <laughs> or surveys because really it'd be surveys yeah. and then correlational data but uh, like at the end of the day i want people to be able to look at a document and be like okay well if i like this type of game maybe this represents a certain type of um property or workability that 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 i have that that's transferable like at the end of the day i would love to be in an interview with someone be able to ask them hey what types of games do you play have them tell me what types of games they play and then i can from that i can assess okay well there are certain abilities that you have from that alone and for that, a learned skill set yeah yeah and like as long as i understand how many hours that they've done it'd be like okay well how how often do you game a week you know and hopefully they would be honest because then it can be like okay well then based on how long you've played these games you've you've already established abilities doing this this and this um like that that is sort of my dream which is sort of like this weird corporate dream (laughs) but like it's starting to turn into like a sellout kind of situation but like that's not what i'm actually going for like i want to live in a world where playing video games is something that can come up on a resume and not be a shameful thing yeah and that's that's also that what you just said is why one of these sessions before like i i am going to talk about streaming at some point streaming as as a thing that you can do because You'll learn a lot from it and blah, 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 blah. It fits straight in. It's not actually playing a game, but it's it's game-related enough, I think. It's it's an interesting thing. It's, and it's an interesting week to be talking about streamers, but I think maybe we'll uh, dodge the racial slurs. Um, just know that they're bad. Don't do it. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe just don't be an like, asshole. He's been nailed for it so many times already. But well, uh, when you're it's, it's also the richest streamer in the world, yeah. who cares, right? I understand there's a, there's a cultural difference as well. But yeah, that's still doesn't make it okay. L- language is a thing. <laughs> yeah, and words <laughs> matter. Uh, words always matter. Um, okay, so PewDiePie aside, uh, also came across a really cool, um, just sort of a concept. I was listening to he- the Headshots podcast with Yosue and uh, or Yosue Cardona and Kelly Dunlap, and they were discussing. Um, waypoint games which is uh i don't know if you follow this but it's like vice lands or vice's uh, video game uh section so it's like if vice is is uh, a media outlet then uh waypoint is their video game section but what mm-hmm. they do is they they go into prisons and see what kind of games people are playing in prison oh yeah yeah and this is some like it was such cool stuff to listen to i haven't had time to go and look at the articles but i would really really like to um it like it's awesome and engaging to to just even just imagine this stuff and like uh yosue and kelly were just talking about some of the articles so like i i want to make time to just try to understand what was going on in some of these prisons because i guess like uh one example was there was a guy who ended up in solitary 
because like people clamor to play these games like they they put down like racial divides all kinds of different hostilities if they can get into a good game with people yeah and um one of the weird aspects of prison life is dice are outlawed um you're not allowed to bring dice in so it, you have to make it or like it's contraband you can't buy dice because like you can start gambling and stuff but what people are starting to do is play D D with them um it, yeah, just really, really interesting stuff. Um, yep. So uh, I'm in the show notes. I'm going to link uh, to that episode for sure. So anybody who wants to listen to it, it's very interesting. And if I can find a few examples of the the vice uh, vice media waypoint coverage of gaming in prisons, I will also provide that in the game notes because I would like to read that too. Yeah, um, yeah just cool. Uh, I think one of the big big takeaways from from that podcast in those articles is that at present so presently in north america um having access to games is considered a um it's almost a human right so there needs to be some kind of game whether it's like board games or something in a prison library presently hmm. um, pushy <laughs> <laughs> You're horrible. Um, well, yeah. But <laughs> you're horrible. <laughs> they even had a games library in Guantanamo Bay, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, I don't know how many people were able to access it. Um, and, and also there's the question of, like, um, uh, guards versus inmates who's actually playing. But uh, it was yeah, just a yeah. interesting, interesting conversation. Definitely worth it. If that's something that you're interested in, check out that episode. I'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes. And that's really it for me. So um, if you don't have anything else you wanted to talk about, we can jump into what we learned from gaming. Um, yeah, I guess we can I guess we can do that. Okay, cool. Uh, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna go first today because sometimes I let you go first a lot and you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't mind. It's uh not not uh, a problem, but okay. um, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the story that I know is inevitably oh, yeah. coming. It, <laughs> yeah, we are definitely going to touch on that story. Okay, yeah. so this is the next section. It's what we learned from gaming. Uh, so now this is what you've all been waiting for. Uh, this is the section of the show where we each pick a game that we played and describe what we learned from it. So today, you know, I've uh, I've been putting off some of the bigger name games just because uh, I wanted to. I wanted us to get a little bit of a. Uh, a little bit of practice and get a little bit better at what we're doing but uh, today i'd really like to talk about minecraft so minecraft was designed by mahjong it was published by mahjong now it's like owned and stuff by uh, i think microsoft bought the license to all of it um and uh you and i started playing this back in was it 2008 early access um oh yeah like i paid five dollars for minecraft and there was almost nothing in it it's, yeah it's, and I was a few days after you on that one. Um, But yeah, uh, it was like date of publish officially is 2009 and a lot of stuff has gone in it. Like if we were to play Minecraft now, I think it would be a very different animal than when we first tried it. But there was still a lot of good stuff in there back when you and I were playing it like fiends. Um, So in terms of genre type, it's a procedurally generated sandbox, but it's also a builder and there's also adventure and dungeoneering aspects. Um... 
core mechanics are you cl- well, like it's so funny that i have to describe minecraft because it's actually like it's such <laughs> it's a big so part pervasive. of the yeah it's such a part of the meta but at some point i expect it may fade out a little bit so yeah yeah it's fair digital logo po- like. for posterity um so like uh the core mechanics is you collect raw materials from the world around you um and you produce items and build with them while trying to survive a mostly hostile environment and uh, <laughs> i still remember my first night uh in that game <laughs> like you just dig a hole in the dirt and then you hide in it because you'll die if you don't um so like personal engagement like i played this game a lot with you Stu, but also with other friends um I mean, uh, we had our own server going for a while back when we lived together. That was uh, that was a good time. Uh, eventually, and I think that was just a LAN server at first, and then we decided to either you or one of your friends decided to host, and we actually had like other people jumping into our server, and you and I had a really strong grasp on the mechanics of the game. Uh, we would dig right to the bottom of the world, and then we would just mine for for diamond. But um, sometimes we would get a little too crowded with each other, so I would run off and make my own little base. And I'd always make it of wood, and then so that if I got lost, I I could find it again. I would make this enormous sky pillar of glass with lava inside it, so I could find my base. Um, and I remember we uh, <laughs> we in, we invited your friend Joel to play. <sighs> yep. Yep, we did. And that was that was the day <laughs> that I learned that one pane of glass to prevent lava from flowing was not enough. Nope. Um, when he burned one of my best yeah. houses down. Well, well, it's see when you're playing a game like Minecraft, like your only way of interacting with things is to left click. Yeah. It, and so you left click on everything, and glass unfortunately breaks with <laughs> with one with one hit, one swing of your your gentle hand. Yeah, I know. And I, then, uh, uh, that was at the end of the day. I think I'm at fault, but man, when I swore vendetta on him and I hunted him down and killed him, <laughs> that was, yeah, you know that. Yeah, I got it as a third party. That whole whole episode was fucking hilarious. The like the best part was you laughed so uncontrollably that I didn't know what happened. So I had to walk to my house, <laughs> and like it was two to three stories made of wood. And it was all gone, and all I could see was magma around where the base of the the uh, lava pillar used to be. And a, a guilty Joel standing on a ladder to nowhere. Yeah, that was bad. Um, oh, but beautiful. I mean, yeah, I, I, there was so much you could do in that game, right? Like, you could build whatever you wanted. Uh, I mean, with the materials that you had, you could just be mining and then crack into such an awesome deep crevice filled with like these veins of lava and things would be backlit and there'd be like these horrible monster uh, spawning areas and stuff but you you like you always found something interesting like the the procedurally generated stuff still was cool sometimes you'd like dig into a lake of lava and then you'd have to make sure that you close everything off quick because you could kill yourself but like um it was it was always so very interesting and there were so many different ways to play that game. Like you could just be the gatherer, the guy who goes in and does that. You could be like, you could just put on a different hat depending on what day and how you felt. Um, another good example of, uh, how we played that game. Remember when you joined, uh, like it was a large community server. I think it was, uh, with some students that you had gone to school with when you were doing the uh, digital art and design and you brought me in 
and the first thing we did was we ran to the middle of nowhere where we knew no, nobody else was and then dug a hole almost to the bottom of the world and then built a base in in the bottom of of the world do you remember that uh, I don't, but it seems like something we would do <laughs> because we're <laughs> we're horribly antisocial and we want to get all the diamonds. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day. It was like um, I couldn't even remember why that was what we decided to do. But you also had like a hydroponics area in there because you were growing wheat underground and making bread with it. And it was all like incredibly elaborate. And we like played the game three or four times and then stopped. Um but, uh, God, like just, uh, I, I mean, I also ended up playing with my, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Joe, like we just, he had a server as well. I had fun with that. Um, I think I played with my friend Jamie for a little bit too. Like it, it saturated so oh, many people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's not surprising now to see that, uh, that, that like there are organizations that use this to appeal to children. And I'm not just talking like, um, corporate organizations, but also like educational organizations. So, I mean, in terms of educational concepts, like creativity and measurement skills are, are really what you get out of it. But like as a builder or a constructor in digital format, like Minecraft can be as shallow or as deep as you want it to be like this type of game it helps fledgling constructors learn how to gauge dimensions and it makes this easy because every single block is just a single tile regardless of what the material is the only times that gets a little complicated is when it's water like remember when water Mm. just generated itself so if you put a block of water down it would create like a pool (laughs) same thing with lava yeah yeah um and so like it was self-generating so you could just make infinite water uh before they they added a bunch of patches that was like uh pre-release stuff we we had some fun with liquids um but uh yeah like i i always found that very interesting so it's just like you can gauge dimensions you can make this easy to use um and it was like it is still an incredibly approachable game like when the only measurement you have to make is a block count um, resource, like resource gathering excluded. Cause you, you sometimes you want to make complex stuff. Um, the construction process is so easy. Now this game also allows for electricity and switch use stuff like that. Um, I never took the time to learn it properly, but I think it's, uh, like it's, it's rudimentary. Um, but if you ever want to learn how switches actually work, this game does a good job of representing it. Um, and once you learn how to do it, you can pull off some really cool stuff in game. Yeah, there are instructions. Uh, like it's really easy to find instructions on how to make basic logic gates with redstone, and that's like the the stepping stone. It's it's the doorway into a world of all kinds of crazy. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, like the the engine, the the game itself allows you to do this. And once you learn how to do it, like the possibility is endless. Right. Like every there are so many doors that you can open in this incredibly simple game um, that makes it that much deeper and that much richer. But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, now there is a little bit of a narrative element and there are actually companies that take the time to build stories into the game. uh, Modders were doing it forever, but now there's actually companies that do it. Like at the end of the day, it was just a, a sandbox that you were playing in and you got to make whatever you wanted of it. And the modding community fueled this thing so much before it became 
um like big big money microsoft owned oh yes um what else was there there was railroads that was i mean much simpler than trying to figure out electricity but railroads were always fun mm-hmm. um oh, here let's see elaborate oh, well like the so Stu, are you surprised that this app is used in schools because i've seen it uh we have a, a camp a day camp where they've got uh, sort of like computer classes and one of the well we when i say we i mean <laughs> uh, i used to work at brock university and brock university had an organization called youth university uh where it was day camps or uh overnight camps for for younger children and there was a minecraft module that you could engage in they also did really cool stuff like you could build robots and all kinds of other things but minecraft was uh there was a module and it was no surprise that it was the most popular yeah um does that surprise you at all? Like, uh, I, I feel like this is such an approachable game for children because like there's only a couple of buttons you really need to push and then it's really just gathering and figuring out recipes. Yep. And it's, I think the things, I think ed- educators have figured out a couple of things that Minecraft can teach students very well. And so it's a, it's a no brainer to use the, the tool that offers the least resistance right like if if it's good for learning uh three you know like times tables like three by three five by five ten by ten like those dimensions that you're talking about um how many blocks do you need to to gather to make something to to make a three by three or a four by four floor right it's a simple it's a really simple application but it's something that people will that that kids will engage with much more easily than you know a, a t- giant tic-tac-toe thing on your blackboard so <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, yeah it, it's just path of least resistance if you can teach kids certain things using minecraft they're going to be excited to be on minecraft now it, it, yeah it's going to be hard to keep kids on task in minecraft <laughs> that that's a whole other i uh, i feel I, uh, yeah. I feel like there might be like educationally licensed versions of minecraft uh if that makes any sense like mm-hmm. um i wouldn't be surprised if there are versions of minecraft where either the day or night cycle doesn't exist or the night cycle doesn't automatically mean like death spawns everywhere and like <laughs> yeah. slender men are just waiting to to assault you um yeah so well, not only that, but also with the addition, like you mentioned, all the mods. I know the AU Gamers server has like a mod pack with something like 200 different mods in it. And that's the standard, like that, that that's relatively common. So I'm sure uh, if an educational board had their shit together, they could put together a, a set of mods for educational purposes and act, like really utilize it really well. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that Microsoft also is now marketing it in such a way that there's, they just release versions of it, right? Um, catered however you want. You just yeah. have to pay an extra arm and a leg. Um, Quite likely. So, yeah, like pros for this game, literally the sky was the limit. The sky had a limit. We found it many times. Um, also, uh, so the sky's the limit, but also the deepest parts of the world were the limit, which was the darkest stone that you could never break. Um, but, um, 
you can make whatever you want and do pretty much whatever you want. Uh, the gameplay vastly improves with friends, as far as I'm concerned. Like, uh, that game was great as a social game, but... <laughs> Let me burn your shit down. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like, the flip side of it is we, we had a good time when we played together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also the type of game that if you just want to accomplish something on your own, you can. Like, uh, I think... One of the coolest things I ever saw is somebody took the time to build an actual replica version of the USS Enterprise in Minecraft. Oh, there's a ton of stuff like that. Like, there's you so can look many around. things like that. Was it Norway? There's a, there's a one of the Scandinavian countries. I forget if it's Norway or Iceland, or I, I apologize for misremembering, but um, they actually sponsored a, a reconstruction to scale <laughs> of their entire country oh in my Minecraft. Gosh. Yeah, fantastic. Wow. That's pretty funny. No particular um, reason. It's just great. Now everyone can digitally explore the wonderful country of Shmurjabur. Well, th- 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 that's cool. Actually, like that's I at the end of the day, I think that's pretty cool. It is um, really neat. Yeah. Maybe I'll never go to that country, so I can explore it in Minecraft and yeah. disassemble it. <laughs> well, well, that that that's the thing is that now that that as a map, I don't know if you know how they work, but that can now exist very easily, like everywhere as a oh as like, a seed. Like yeah. this, th- this is a thing and. For the you know, it's just like a map, but it's the most personally explorable map that we've ever been able to make of anything, and it's it's the first one of its kind kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's um, neat. Okay, yeah. So then I guess uh, like cons. Uh, sometimes playing with other people means they burn your shit down. Uh, Pro. Also, also <laughs> if you suffer from a if you suffer from a stark lack of imagination, um, this game can get pretty boring. So, yeah, you have to be self-driven. That is true. Uh, yeah, self self-drive or uh, goal-oriented. Uh, lastly, some people are really turned off by the graphics, which is a weird sort of gripe. But uh, it's blocky. If you don't like blocks, you might not like it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know what? I think that's it for me for for Minecraft. There's so much that you can say, but uh, if I did, we would never get to anything else. So, yeah. Stu, what do you want to talk about today? Oh boy, um, so I, I'm I'm surprised. I never actually thought of this game previously until today. I, I'm not sure why <laughs> okay, it I'm came wh- up, but I'm uh, excited. But yeah, I, so I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Warlords. Oh yes, I so, actually literally forgot. You told me <laughs> earlier today, and I forgot. Yeah, so I was so awesome. excited when I thought of it. Yeah, so. I'm going to talk about Warlords 1 and Warlords 3 because they're kind of similar. 3 was like 1 but just better in almost every possible way. But I played a lot of 1 before 3. So Right, and Warlords, this is for DOS, yeah. right? So DOS and PC? Um, Warlords 3 was for Windows version something something something. Uh, Warlords 1, I believe, was a DOS game, yeah. We played a bunch of Warlords 3, didn't we? Uh, we played like Warlords Four, I think. Yeah, it was sort or of a four or five kind of or something. I don't, I don't remember. It. Yeah. yeah, very very different. Um, so Warlords uh, started out the first one. It, it's a turn-based strategy game, I guess. It's a fantasy setting. There are there, there's the same static world every time. There are eight different nations. They're very different. You start with your capital city of your nation. And uh, every nation's cities can produce different kinds of units. And you just you take over two-thirds of the world, and then you win. So it's, it's really simple. Um, 
re really simple. You could set the computer difficulties or play with people. I think I only ever played with three or probably four people at a time. Uh, but you would start up the game, you would have your one little city, you would start to produce units out of that city and send them out and conquer more cities and then make units out of those cities and then send your units to other people and then no one would get along and you all try and kill each other. <laughs> and yeah. it was great. There was, oh. also, there was also the side, side game, I guess, of uh, heroes. You would occasionally be propositioned by heroes. They would want to join your cause. They might bring allies or something with them. But heroes were the only units that could go and search ruins, which were scattered around the map. Yep. And ruins could provide something like a bunch of dragons, or it could provide something like a big monster that eats your hero, or some gold or something, or blah, blah, blah. So just like side small rewards that could come out of searching things with heroes. But the majority of the game was kind of like army logistics, taking over cities, sending your armies to eat other armies and then take other people's cities away from them. What was the uh what was the combat like? The combat was that very very simplified. Um they made improvements on it in Warcraft 3. Warcraft Warcraft. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. It probably won't be the only time. They they made Im improvements in Warlords 3. Yeah, you'll never hear me say they made improvements in Warcraft 3. They made improvements in Warlords oh. 3 from number 1. Uh, but the combat number one was kind of like, you could have, I think, up to eight units in a stack. So on a tile, cities right. had four tiles. You could pack a crap ton, like eight eight units per tile. So 32 units in a city or 32 or, or eight units on a tile, like running up the road to somebody else. Yeah. Um, and it would just be kind of a top down. The toughest units, I think, would fight first. Or maybe, okay. maybe, maybe it was the weakest. Weakest or the toughest, I don't know. And they would just fight back and forth. The numbers were, you didn't really get to see any of the randomness in Warlords 1. Different units, like a light infantry, would have less toughness, less power, less defense than a heavy infantry, which would have less than a giant, which would have less than a dragon. So everything just kind of scaled up. But there would be a role for it. Uh, sometimes a light infant, you know, if you had a stack of eight light infantry fighting two dragons, maybe maybe you would go through a stack and a half of light infantry before you managed to kill the dragons. Maybe they eat all of you. Maybe you kill them both really quickly. There was an element of randomness, but it wasn't super transparent. Right. Uh, in Warlords, so in, in the first Warlords, the units that each city could produce were based on the city and where it was. So every, all that stuff was hard-coded into the game. Warlords 3 was fascinating because you could create a custom race and you could choose eight different units that you wanted to be able to produce. So then combined with the more <laughs> interesting awesome. combat... That's really cool, yeah. It, it, was, it was fascinating. So you could have, you know, something very thematic. And the game shipped with, you know, if you want to be the orcs or the undead or the elves or that kind of thing. All of those units existed for you. Those preset kind of temp template groups were there for you. You know what's crazy? Like, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but like, I always just sort of thought that by now, so by 2017, we would just have a game like that, only 2017 standards, 
where you just made your own race and could do your own thing. But like to the point there that like you have like the spore editor to like make your stuff. <laughs> right. And so then like yeah. there, I know balance would be a little bit of a nightmare, but like yeah. at the end of the day, you could just make your own faction and then like use it in an RTS or use it in a, a turn-based strat. Yeah. And it just, I don't know. It just never happened. And the, it's one of the, it's one of the reasons why Warlords Three stands out to me so much at, while growing up because nothing else offered you that kind of that flexibility. It's a turn-based strat. You know, you're committing to a fairly long game and you're having to make very very big decisions right away. Um, I mean, then you have to deal with the strategy that you're going to apply while fighting. You want to expand very quickly, so you want to have units that can do that. You're always going to have logistics problems. You know, once you've expanded to a certain degree, your capital city is going to be nestled safe down in the, you know, in the corner of, of your of your borders. And whatever you make there has to get to the front line somehow. That, that, that becomes a problem. Mm. The mix of units, you have eight different units and there are 250 to choose from. Like, uh, what, how, do, how do you make that kind of decision? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So do you, do you want to be able to make dragons? That's great. Dragons are strong. They take a long time to make. They're really expensive. It's really expensive to feed a dragon because they eat everyone. And that's a, 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 that's a problem you have to deal with. And with the improvements that they made to the combat system, a lot of different units had different sets of skills. So you could have a 10% chance of not have uh, of just assassinating a unit and not having to make a combat roll. So is that something that you want to make thematic in your army or do you want to have one of those units and mass produce them and and save the rest of your seven army slots for something maybe more substantial or you know the, just different kinds of strategies that you could apply and then going into a game and not knowing which races you're playing against. So you you couldn't always necessarily tailor your army to deal with a certain kind of enemy. I think you could pick them, but you could make them random as well. Even better, the piece like the computer players had a chance to pick your armies. So if you made something that was really good, then the computer would pick it and and do terrible things to your body with it. It was so you get to see your own creations from you know multiple sides. It was really, really, really fascinating. That's actually, like, that's cool. I'm just, I'm trying to see how anyone can play this game now. I think it looks like Warlord 3 so is on GOG. Warlords 3 is on GOG? Then that that's probably the best way. There was... Hey, um, Dark Lords Rising. There There's also Warlord 2 Deluxe is on GOG as well. But Warlord I'm not seeing Warlord... Warlords 3 was a, a different beast. The original Warlord probably is not available. 3 would have been an easier port because oh, it was actually for Windows, it right? It looks like Warlords might be available. It's just I'm not seeing a rating, so it may not be. Okay. Um, the, the, yeah, the biggest... I, there are votes to have it. I guess... It, well, yeah, it was available. On, it was made for DOS, right? So it, it, in theory, could work for DOSBox, I believe? Uh, actually, right now it looks like people are voting for it. Um, but the only things that made it were was the weird Battle Cry game. So Battle Cry, Battle Cry Two, and oh, Battle okay. Cry Three, which I don't think would have been hard to port. Um, would have been less difficult. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's too bad because I've tried to. I mean, 
you know, there's abandonware, but at the end of the day, I've I've wanted to try these games out. You and I played three, I think. No, no, this was three. No, we played four. I'm talking about three. I think we played four or five. Might have been five, actually. I think four was... Was four Battlecry? I don't even remember. But um, it was... Okay, yeah, sorry. It, it was, I didn't mean it was to really neat. you again. So... so <laughs> Uh, in terms of stuff that, that you had to kind of tackle as you're playing the game, in terms of like learning curve and, and things you're going to pull out, you had to kind of conceptualize, you had to first learn the game rules, and then in making a race, you had to uh, develop some kind of long-term strategy that incorporated, you know, or, uh, you know like so many other things that we, we inevitably think about, is this early game, mid-game, end game. What are your strategies throughout uh, the process of the entire game. Uh, dealing with that, how are you going to approach the game as a whole? How are you going to deal with your logistics? How do you deal with team interplay with the the different heroes, different classes of heroes that you could pick up, the skills that they had, the spells that they could cast, the interplay of that with the armies that you had. Um, and you could, you know, build races for theme or just for shits and giggles or, you know, metagame and min-max the crap out of it. Uh, and then hopefully later when you're playing a themed army, one of your previous min-max armies gets picked up by the computer and they, uh, yeah, crush you. And <laughs> and then, uh, and then as you, they do, and, and then you get to see the other side of that stick. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, yeah, that's really really cool. Uh, would it's so weird because it's right up my alley, but it's just something that I didn't know existed because back in the day the internet was not as not much there. of a thing yeah. and i definitely wasn't your friend yet yeah way, way to live somewhere else man yeah i know <laughs> you missed uh, out <laughs> i know different different strokes yeah. we were we were too busy playing uh heroes of might and magic and uh age of oh. age of wonders can, can i just like brief 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 aside yeah, I had ahead. I had a really hard time getting into heroes of might and magic because you had to send your armies with heroes yeah, and to me that seemed like child's play. After <laughs> after coming from Warlords, yeah. where you're managing, you know, like you have fifty different stacks of units across the map. Yeah, and then coming into Heroes of Might and Magic, you're like, I have an army of two hundred gremlins in my city. What do you mean that I can't just walk them out to my to my hero to make a bigger? What do you mean I have to? I have to. <laughs> What? The similarities between oh. uh, Warlords and um, Age of Wonders. Uh, Age of Wonders, you could just make dudes. You didn't need a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I played Age of Wonders before I played Heroes of Might and Magic, and it was so hard. Everybody I knew was going gaga. I, I remember we all got into Heroes yeah. of Might and Magic at number two and then number three. Um, but, like, everybody loved Heroes of Might and Magic number two, and I just... It was so hard. Yeah. I I eventually did. Like, I just, I you know, it was uh, peer pressure, I guess. Like, I ended up uh, getting really into it. And uh, Heroes of Magic 3 is a whole different story. Uh, that's that's a story for another day. But, yeah. Um, I, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> mm. Well, I'll try, yeah, try coming out of, well, you played, you played Warcraft too. Also, I hate yeah, stacks. Game. I hate stacks compared so to... J- Oh, yep. my yep. thousands of dragons. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's actually in, in Warlords 3, that's another thing that you could, uh, when you set up a game, you could control which should have more power. You could skew the numbers a bit. So it would decide, 
Um, it was to kind of simulate tactics a little bit. If you wanted a dragon to be able to eat 30 people, then you could uh, push a balance slider to say that powers was more important than numbers. If you thought that, no, 30 infantry should absolutely be able to surround and kill a dragon, then you could slide it, that slider to the other side and say, no, numbers. If you have a swarm of dudes, that's more important than how strong the unit is. And I think that they would... Uh, skew some of the the strength rolls and stuff based off of that preference that you said at the beginning of the game. Hmm. There, there were a bunch of small things like that, uh, different ways to affect magic and 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 the combat rolls. It was neat. Cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. 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 So, yeah, yeah. Pro, pros are are there. It was it was it was great fun. <laughs> it was fantastic fun and kind of the same sort of thing where. You, you didn't really have to make your own fun. The game stood on its own. Yeah. If you if you wanted to just play it solo with the uh, the races and everything that's shipped with the game, then th that's totally fine. If you wanted to really go down the rabbit hole, it it was a fantastic rabbit hole. Uh, like you said, I, I haven't really seen any games that allowed that degree of freedom since. Yeah, and, that's and a bummer. That's, it's a bummer, and it, it's fascinating and surprising and disappointing. I know, well, I don't know. I, I assume maybe there was a concern for balance, but, like, people who enjoy creating and who enjoy playing with the things that they create, like, it's almost never about perfect balance. Yeah. Um, and as long as you get close, that's usually good enough for most people. Yeah. And, it, man. Man. So then, like, cons is uh, nobody ever learned from this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's scarcity. So, like, it's very hard to find this very, game unless yes, you it is scour the internet. And there's almost no contemporary way, way to play it without knowing how to use DOSBox and how to get a hold of the uh, the ROM, correct? It's, uh, I, I don't think it ran on DOS. Like, I think it, it lived in that Windows ME XP era. Oh, so like 95 to... Yeah, 95 to ME, yeah. Oh, okay. Ooh, I, what yeah. a magical realm. So it, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, a, it's hard to... For anybody who doesn't know, like yeah. these, are, these are old OSs, and there are still a few games that exist in that ether that uh, once you got to a certain level for Microsoft, like when, once you got to a certain age of OS, uh, some things just don't run quite right anymore. Um, yeah, we're we're really lucky to have DOSBox, really. Yeah, and it, it's such a wonderful, wonderful tool to to access some of the older stuff that exists. Um, I really, I agree. It's great. I agree. This is really great. Um, we have not. What's funny is we've gotten to episode eight and we've never talked about. We want to. We both want to. And off offline, we talk about it all the time. But we've never talked about Masters of Orion or Masters of, <laughs> Master of Orion two. We'll um, get there. Every, yeah, week, every week, like, I'm like, maybe I should talk about it. Maybe I should talk the about day, it. <laughs> the day I found GOG, good old games, and I found that they had, like, Alpha Centauri, and, um, which is sort of like a, a civilization in space. Yeah. Um, and um, and Masters of Orion 2, and that it was, like, all DOSBox. I, like, lost my shit because <laughs> um, I love those games so much. It was uh, I was really, really happy. Um but yeah, someday, yeah. someday we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah. I really feel like at some point we should, uh, probably soon, because we're getting a lot more confident in what we're doing. Uh, we should have, we should have one of those um, 
like we both talk about the same the game, same game? Kind of episodes. Yeah. I wanted to wait until after a dozen episodes because uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Four more to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're um, but yeah. Uh, also, uh, I was sitting a little further away from my mic, so that might show up. But uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> but that's my problem, so that's yep. fine. Cool. Um, so, did you have any parting words about this? Uh, like if, what? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the only the only other thing that I would say about the game is that if there is a petition on GOG.com to get Warlords Three uh on online and available and runnable sign it because man <laughs> See, yeah. uh, you you won't you won't regret it if you enjoy turn-based strategies if you enjoy fantasy if you enjoy just like trying to create a nation or whether it's thematic or you've decided to min max a game and uh you know exploit every the best part of every race possible and and it they're just the game offers so much it really is fantastic cool and like it's so funny because it's just one of those blind spots of my life like i never i i never played it none of my friends played it even though it was something that all of us would have been interested in we just we never touched it it. just wasn't there yeah I, I, i i couldn't tell you how i came into contact like i'm sure my brother bought it yeah that's the only the only explanation to me well yeah what what's funny is it's always been luck of the draw right like oh yeah um, back then yeah uh there there's always the possibility i may never have played um warcraft just because my dad never bought it right and if my dad had never bought warcraft one i wouldn't have been interested in warcraft two or three um not that i was you know what's weird is (laughs) i feel you, you know what's weird is okay our opinion of warcraft three I know a, a few people are on board with us, but there are a lot of people that really like that game, and they do a no, very good don't. job of they. It's too no, they don't. They're not real. We are open and accepting hosts. There are people yeah. who like it, and they have good reasons why. And though what's funny That's is fair. those reasons are also the reasons why we hate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just no, yeah, uh, at the end of the day, like ga- games are like di- it's different strokes it's for different folks. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Same thing with music. Um, yeah but uh okay so do you want to leave warlords and move on i think so yeah yeah that's good so then um cool man that was that was fun uh also like learning about a game that i had never played before um uh, two pc games that uh one of them is now on most consoles so um yeah i think minecraft is even on the switch somehow or it will be i think they're they're making a version of it um which is interesting um makes sense yeah just why not sell it to it's easy enough buy, right yeah. yeah um okay so let's uh let's do a little bit of uh what you can teach us so Stu and i love talking about video games but we also really enjoy hearing from you uh if you feel like you have something valuable to teach us or you just want to send us an email um uh, should we use the caveat uh, length within reason? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I covered Greg's email earlier because I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm not like we don't want to double the length of the the podcast. Yeah, I know that we, we said we can post it. We, we can, would we, read. Yeah, we can post it I, and put a link to it. Yeah, I I know that I said that we would read anything you sent us. 
Um, and Greg, we do deeply appreciate your interest in the show and also your dedication to uh, uh, being critical um, of gaming yeah. in general because you come up with some very, very good ideas. It, but that email uh, would actually almost be an episode in itself because there's a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, we there, just... There is a lot of we, it. <laughs> yeah, we, we just weren't sure how to handle it. Um, you really sort of stumped us there, but we do have another email, Stu. Do you want me to read it or do you want to read it? Cause I have um, it, I, I have it open, but I, I don't have it open right now. So go ahead. Okay. So, uh, here, I'm going to just open it up and this comes from Jeff and Candace. Uh, so here we go. Well, Jeff and Candace is what the email <laughs> says. It's really from Candace. Um, so, uh, Hey, Stu and Chase. I've enjoyed your podcast so far and thought uh, thought of you guys when I came across this article. Uh, I was interested in hearing your reactions on the topic. It sounds like the new Wolfenstein storyline will definitely have uncomfortable mo- moments. Does that add to the experience or undermine it for you? Where do you draw the line for yourself in terms of what you will and won't play? If there were actual people playing the Nazis, would that be okay? Uh, would that be okay for you? Uh, take care, guys. Uh, Candace Gritter and Georgetown. So uh, the uh, the article itself, and I've got some notes on this. The article yep. itself uh, is called, uh, the title is <laughs> Killing Nazis, Fighting Religious Fanaticism, The Focus of Upcoming Video Games. Um, now, this was written by uh, Salima uh, Shivji. And it's for the CBC News. Uh, it's it's off the website, so I'm gonna again put a link to this article in the uh, the show notes. But uh, just to summarize, the article discusses uh, things like Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, as well as Far Cry 5. Uh, whereas one takes place in an alternate reality where Nazis won World War II, and America is very much under Nazi control, and the other is about rural Montana and a doomsday cult, and how you are just basically uh, interacting with that community and trying to survive, while also recruiting just disenfranchised members of the community to help you survive and potentially change that community, I'm assuming, just take out, like, the cult leader. Um, which is, you know, like, Far Cry, it's always sort of, like, fighting that all-powerful sort of maniac. Um, so, Stu, did you read the article? Yes, yes, I did. I did. Um, now there is a lot going on. Um, and I mean, the article itself is written as a direct response, not only to these games, but also to, uh, Charlottesville. So, um, especially like when we're living in a time where neo-Nazis are unashamed to walk out in the open in large groups. Um, I think they have a little more trouble doing it by themselves because people punch them. Um, (laughs) but, uh, so. Like this is this is a good question. Let's let's unpack some of what was yeah. asked. Yeah. So, um, here let's see. Uh, does well, well before we even unpack anything that's in in the email. I think okay. The the first thing to understand is that uh, the plots for these games are not in response to anything of recent events. No, not the, at all. And like, the creators say these, that too. Like the these games have hundreds of millions of dollars in their budgets. They started being created years, years before any of this stuff was coming to light. So like 
you have to engage in every conversation about it with that understanding like that's that it, it's games with this kind of content are just like they, by virtue they they're not really in response to current events ever <laughs> no it just it's um unusual yeah. that uh, they would become so timely yeah <laughs> like um some would argue that these were meant to be almost farcical and extreme representations of something. And it's yeah. just an unusual event that they also now happen to echo so closely to home, mm-hmm. um, which is like, it's scary. Uh, it's scary and a little bit sad, but um, like here's where we can start unpacking, right? So uh, the new Wolfenstein game, uh, very much it's just it's you fighting nazis uh the new far cry game it's you fighting doomsday cultists like crazy fanatic religious zealots in uh rural america mm-hmm. um so what candace asks is does having uncomfortable moments sometimes that strike close to home, but I'm guessing like any uncomfortable moments. So like also things like torture or bad, bad, scary stuff. Um, do they undermine an experience for you? Um, Oh, that is tough. Um, what, (sighs) there are certain games that I just, I haven't gotten involved with in a long time. Like I don't play a lot of first person shooters anymore. And I don't know if it's because I'm not any good at it or if the appeal has just been lost. Like, um, growing up with the original Wolfenstein, growing up with doom, um, and quake and stuff like that. Like, What's weird is the more real those games got, the less I ended up playing them. The only shooter I played a lot of, and that was multiplayer, and this is going to sound super weird, and it's going to get right back into what Candace is talking about, is I played this game called Ostfront, which was the German-Russian front. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it was such a bare-bones first-person shooter, like, it didn't have a health bar. It didn't have your ammo. Like, you just had to know how much ammo was in the clip for the gun that you were using. Um, And it was just a very rough, dirty kind of representation of of that fight. Uh, There was no story mode. It was all multiplayer. Um, But it was uh, Nazis versus Soviets. And let's be honest, in that fight, nobody's a good guy. Um, And... For anybody who's a history buff, you should know, and anybody who isn't, like, there were cultures in the world that were hoping neither of those countries won the war. Um, And at the end of the day, not a lot of people talk about this, but at the end of the day, Russia did. Mm -hmm. Russia is what won World War II, and a lot of people would maybe struggle against that, but it was the sacrifice of millions and millions and millions of Russians in some of the most brutal fighting and then like the Russian war machine that was awoken and that produced like the largest the largest like army of tanks and uh, mobilized infantry ever seen on the planet like people just don't know that Um, and what came out of it what happened during it the way that Stalin treated his own country the number of people that died before after and during uh or yeah before during and after world war ii under his reign is like staggering and disgusting and not really covered um but at the end of the day he was also fighting nazis 
that we will argue were just as bad. Um, Why do I say all this stuff? Because for me, I think it's important to understand where we're coming from. Um, I would, like, if I were to learn, let's say, for hopefully longer, let's say, like, maybe 10 years from now, my son's playing a game where, like, one of the roles you can choose is, like, say, you can play as a Nazi protagonist? I'm hoping not, but like, or like maybe a Nazi antihero, or even like a Soviet antihero, right? Like, I would want him to understand what that is. I would want him to understand the background, even if he was just like, Dad, oh my God, shut up, I don't care. It'd be like, well, like, this is why you should care. Um, and maybe I'll end up being that dad, but like, see that, that that's really interesting because I know you really like the world of tanks conversations that we've had yeah um and just the appreciation for the machinery there are games like heroes and generals where you can be allies or axis and often you'll find a lot of the people who choose the axis side it's because of the technology it's because of the equipment (laughs) yep you you know it's it's not for for most of them from my understanding uh is that it's not about yay! I'm, I get to be I get to be a Nazi dude SS forever. It it is it's a different thing that they that they want to utilize. I don't know. I don't know. Uh yeah. Well, I mean, but, the, but the, it's still the, like, yeah. The Nazi war machine um, and the the industrial feats that they accomplished. Like it's it's the same thing with Japan with uh, the the Mitsubishi the what was it the Mitsubishi Zero the uh, their they had this incredible plane that could like uh, turn on a dime in the sky. Mm-hmm. D- didn't matter how fast it went; like it could just outmaneuver the Mustangs, like like nothing. Um, and people love that vehicle. It's such an iconic vehicle. Um, but so many components of World War II are iconic and are fetishized and idolized now, um, all the way down to like the Russian. Uh, bolt action rifle i don't even remember what the heck it's called but like if i were to talk to some people they'd know exactly what it is right away um or like a bar or um or a bren gun if you're british right like these are like down to the weapons like people fetishize all of this stuff and there's uh, again there's nothing wrong with it it's cool that you understand it like i do it too um but uh uh like uh, it's yeah, just yeah, it, this is a like tough tough question there's a lot of avenues we can go down yeah. um like ha, Stu, is there ever has there ever been a game that you didn't want to play cuz like i feel like draw the line for me like i don't know if i'd ever want to just play a game as a nazi where like the game is okay you're a nazi play um go kick hmm. Yeah, like the uh, even just talking about it, I'd end up sounding racist. Yeah. Like it, it, it would, it could get so bad. Because <laughs> okay. okay. trying to yeah, figure yeah. out the game mechanics, it would just be a nightmare. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. I thought there was one of the Medal of Honor or Call of Duty games that had three separate campaigns for them. One was the Ally, one was the Russian, one was the German. I could be mistaken. But um, I think in 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 the realm of like normal games using that word normal games maybe paint you know paints the the corner already but i i th- i don't know offhand of any games that i wouldn't play because of that um i have played heroes and generals i did play as the allies i 
I don't think I would have a problem playing it as the Axis in that case. I, I didn't. I don't know why I didn't. I, but I wouldn't have a problem with it. No, but there are other things, like even when I'm playing a role-playing game, if I have the option between, you know, saving the, the family or, you know, like punting the, the baby off the bridge, uh, I, 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 I usually, I would have a problem punting a baby off a bridge, even in digital form. It's weird. <laughs> like, I would hesitate to do that in digital yeah. form more than I would yeah. for real because I'm a monster. But I think <laughs> there's... Yeah, you're, well, you're not that but, bad, but uh, you... But, but the, I guess there are things like, to me, one, one of the big things that always, well, that stands out because I was actually going to school and, and we had fantastic conversations that came out of it, Call of Duty... Modern Warfare 2, the prologue mission. I don't know if you remember this. Is that it, the one where you get it captured? Called, it, no. It's the, no, it, that's the, the mission the, is the called The mission is called No Russian. Okay. And that's the one where you and your team of buddies walk into an airport. Now, you can skip this. There's a warning before you get into it. It says this is, like, it's graphic and it's not cool. And if you're remotely sensitive, please, for the love of God, don't play this because right. it's bad and they get like they they caught holy hell for it before they before they even launched and you walk into an airport with i think three four or five other dudes with machine guns and you walk through the airport and you mow down civilians and that is the level hmm and it's a big setup and you're with a bunch of russians and they kill you at the end of it to like frame america or some shit and blah 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 but it's still a full level. It's like five minutes, five minutes long of like people trying to run away from you and you don't have to shoot anyone, but you can. And like you're technically supposed to, you can skip the level or you can just not shoot anyone or you can mow people down. Yeah. You know, I never played like, I don't know. I never had the appeal to, to modern warfare. So like, this is, uh, this is a narrative that just, this is like the warlord of first-person shooters. Like, I, n- <laughs> I never touched it. I didn't even know this happened. Like, yeah. I, I remember one of the modern warfare's. Like, the start of it is so poignant and powerful, um, and it's it's basically like a person getting executed. But like, you're on that mm. ride, and it's like a movie. But you can actually look around yeah. and see what's I, going I, on. I think that was the first one. Yeah. Um, but like, this sounds like something I wouldn't want to engage with anyway. Yeah. But I bet you it sold really well, and a lot of people actually played through that experience without hesitation. I I I guess I don't know. I I don't. I I never actually played it, so I I don't know. I'm just aware of this shitstorm of buzz that came out of it. And well, isn't it weird that you and I didn't play it? Um, not because like we play every game, it's, it's getting almost staggeringly impossible to play every game that comes out. Um, like where once there was scarcity, now we are drowning. Um, but, uh, yeah, like both you and I very much involved in video games, uh, don't generally shy away from gaming experiences. Neither of us played it and I actually didn't even know it existed. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have been aware of, of it, but I was schooling for it at the point at that point in time when it released so the fact that it was it made a lot of gaming news so it it was a big talk in our throughout our curriculum yeah and like do do you think like it's a powerful addition like i i'm sort of torn on this one like to actually it 
and here here's where it's weird like right what about just represent representations of that in movies like if we were to watch it in a movie we wouldn't think twice no, but like no. the option to engage and play it to actually to do actually it, do it would freak yeah freak some people out and again it's also another one of those things where this is a game that's rated m it's meant you know like people who judge games have said you should be old enough to play this but it is you know mostly younger kids who are playing it so that messes it up a little bit more too yeah Um, and this all comes down to candace's last question which is if there were people playing the nazis would it be okay for you so there's so many ways you can take that question. Like yeah. we are, we're again, we're getting to a point where like you can voice chat with a person you're about to shoot in battlegrounds, right? Like, uh, yeah. yeah. PUBG, like you can, once you get close enough, you can hear what people are saying if they have the mic on. Yeah. Um, and, and well, that's, that's also the source of much of the storytelling that comes out of day Z, right? That emergent storytelling and emergent, emergent gameplay. But I, I, I don't know. At this point, I mean, I've played so many, player versus player games and you know like <laughs> like smite for example it, when you're shitting on someone uh, some some people do a mercy thing and most people don't you know it's it's kind of when your only method of interaction with another person is through the medium of the game the, I, a lot of people consider the mechanics of the game to be more important than the interaction with the other player right yeah you know i mean um yeah like the the osfront game i used to play that a lot with charlie um i really enjoyed playing the russian side I, I never really enjoyed playing the german side and i don't know if it was just an aversion to to being a nazi um sometimes i would play well no it's it, it sounds funny but like i just i never wanted to be yeah. i would no, rather that's be totally fair i would rather be a, a socialist <laughs> than a nazi which that's- is like at the at the end of the day, like if we're choosing between two evils, it always felt like the lesser <laughs> of two evils, I guess. But um, like, I, I I don't know. Like uh, we would occasionally play a round or two as as the Germans, and it, like it wasn't a big deal because it was just like this was the game you were playing. Yeah, it yeah. was a type of shooter experience you really couldn't get anywhere else because nobody else was like stripping their shooters down to take content away and and make it more feel more realistic um but uh yeah there was like no narrative to that it was just you know like shoot shoot dudes uh shoot dudes and there's like structure so like you can make uh you can make squads and stuff um but there i mean there's also this ends up boiling all the way down to like the simplest argument like is it kill to is it is it kill is it okay to kill someone in a game like and how do you explain to someone the difference between killing somebody in a game and and killing some somebody in real life and the argument is is pretty clear like it it should be almost intuitive the difference between a game and real life but for some people it isn't and i'm not saying uh, yeah. that this is an argument or even a conversation we need to have right now, but like, um, I know you don't have any interest in having, having children like, and again, that's your prerogative. I have a, I have a child and at some point I have to explain the difference between people dying in a game and people dying in a movie and people dying in real life. Yeah. And I don't even know how to start that conversation, but I know that I should at some point. And 
it it's it's really weird too. Like the, there there are two other things that really stand out to me in relatively recent. I think more recent than Call of Duty. Um, that that kind of confronted people. And the one is Spec Ops: The Line. I think it's old enough that I I don't mind spoiling. No, like, spoil away. And a great yeah. great mention of that game. Like good, the, good job. There's that that. There, there's a white phosphorus thing that goes on and like you as the player bomb the shit out of what you think are, are baddies and there are a bunch of civilians there that you you just basically torched people and and killed them in a horrific horrific way and yeah you for anybody who doesn't know that. white phosphorus is a type of uh like it's a type of chemical um flame that doesn't go out and will basically burn through your body and then, it's a horrible, horrible way to die. And you breathe it in, and you burn from the inside as well as the outside. And it's a, yep. it's not a cool thing. It's it's a ho- like it's a terrible, terrible thing. It's um, outlawed, and uh, it's a, like a, internationally a, outlawed. Yeah, like you yeah. can't use it. And a lot of people reacted really harshly to that. Like they they didn't. Um. It was weird because some of the criticism was actually level at the game developers for saying there was a better way. Like it, it was good; it worked for some people, but I think there was a better way that you could have made this point, which is neat because it's supposed to be this emotional, like consider your actions moment. And a lot of people were still clinical enough to say, "Eh, you could have told that better." But m- there was still a very heavy reaction from from a lot of players that yeah this is this is terrible shit and it's some criticism was leveled at the developer some criticism leveled at gaming just in general for making you do this in order to progress through the game you have to do terrible shit to people have you played through that whole game no i haven't yeah because like i would i would like to i mean i'm not looking forward to white phosphorusing anyone um but like the the message of yeah. that game the intent of that game is just like the the descent into madness yeah. that comes from first person shooters and how it's actually just a satire and a critical um a critical analysis of the genre mm-hmm. as a whole like who ever expected that yeah <laughs> right yeah um and i'm i'm happy that it exists like um but th- then you get the lesser of two evils. Like, it exists, but there's also this point where you have to use white phosphorus on people, yeah. which, like, we are lucky to have never encountered it in real life because mm-hmm. some people have. It would be over then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would be over. But, like, more importantly, even say it doesn't kill you, right? You yeah. will never forget it. Yeah. Um, or it happens to somebody near you and you have to watch it. Yeah. Um, same thing with chemical, like, chemical warfare, like sarin gas, uh, some of the worst stuff that you can see i i don't know if there are games that have ever used it um but like just uh yeah just um there's so much ugly stuff out there it's so weird when games decide to include it sometimes people will praise it for its realism sometimes they won't yeah and it's yeah like how real is too real what is acceptable what is art um And I don't know if we're at a point critically where you and I can answer that. Like, this is such a good question. This is one of like the, the greatest doors to open. Um, (laughs) But it's like, it's just such a deep hole that we could fall down. And, and to me, the, the pinnacle of the, of that is still um, the end of life is strange. 
Dude, don't do this to me. I still haven't played it. You have to. I'm. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it because it is such a like anyone who hasn't played it should. <laughs> uh, there's. Uh, I heard and, there's a prequel out right now. Yes, there is. I haven't. I haven't even looked at it yet. But I expect. I. I. I, I almost feel obligated to. Um, <laughs> Because it's being released in episodes. Because it, because uh, Life is Strange does so much with storytelling, and it, it, it's, it's neat. It's a, it's a good experience. I think most people should try out. But, but the, the ending of Life is Strange is a lot of. It wraps up a lot of what we're talking about, and I just, I can't spoil it. <laughs> God, do I ever want to? Because it fits so well. But it, it, it tears people in half as a utilitarian. Oh. As a utilitarian, you you're presented with a choice of uh, doing like what's straight up bar none the right thing, or yeah. the comfortable thing. And uh, like I I can clinically play video games; it's not a problem. I don't give a shit. That decision actually like gave me pause more than any other. Wow. Okay, well, which is you're which is ruining why it by I telling speak me its that that decisions Yeah, there. but you know it's been out for so fucking long. That's that's your own fault. Wow, Derek. Go, um, yeah, go play. Okay. It. Go play it. It's good. Um, cool. It, well, maybe yeah. by episode twelve, I will have played it. <laughs> um. Hmm. Okay. Well, hey, you know what? Like, good, good email, Candice. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, there's so much in there. Yeah, it's like we every time we start talking about something, we just get lost. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope we did that um, at least some service. Like at the end of the day, uh, in terms of educational uh, value, like there's only so much you can take away from playing a horrible person. Um, <laughs> yeah, without eventually that type of personality pervading your your community and your your meta so like yeah. your your larger your larger community um and i i shudder to think that people would start to produce these on a regular basis where like oh uh, shit yeah yeah you know like okay we, like we live in a world where grand theft autos exist and at the end of the day a lot of people find them very interesting really not my cup of tea like i played grand theft auto 3 i, I played uh, san andreas um and then i just sort of got tired of it like but there are a lot of people that still really enjoy those games and i hear that the storytelling is only getting better um and that the things you can do in them are only getting more interesting but um like there's only so many games you can play where you're a horrible person uh where after a while if you find that you're gravitating towards those games and you're enjoying it like maybe ask yourself why um <laughs> yeah. well, and do do a little self analysis do uh, do a little introspection sort of ask ask yourself why um we don't do that when we play like a a a narrative free shooter and yeah. um well well yeah because i think it's less about games that force you into playing as a monstrous person it, it's about the decisions that you have to make yeah and but most of them we usually don't have an emotional investment in the decisions that we make when we're playing counter strike and i shoot you in the face that's <laughs> 
it's not an emotional hatred. It's not about, oh, fucker's got glasses, man. Fuck him. It's no, it, it's just to win the round, right? Yeah, but, and then but, it's just a respawn. Like that, PUBG is such a good representation of that right now, right? Like yeah. there are people every second, hundreds of people dropping on an island, trying to be the last person alive on it, willing to kill everybody else there. Yeah. In games, and it is the most popular game right now. Yeah. So, and and none of them have an emotional investment in that. Some people do play in groups, and I. Man, some of them, there's a bit of teamwork there, but that's still separate from an emotional investment. And that's, yeah. there are so few video games that provide a vehicle for you to invest emotionally in something that, that <laughs> a lot of that love, experience just is lost. Yeah. I would love a competitive first person shooter that had like a narrative element that forced you to engage. like could you i don't even know how they would do it like game designers if you can figure it out go nuts um but like (laughs) it would be the least it would be the least popular first person shooter i think because uh, like i don't know like imagine a way that you make each side appealing um i would recommend not setting it in or on earth and with things like nazis in it because that just gets way too complicated but yeah um i don't know uh yeah uh, yeah yeah it's tough. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. It's starting tough. to get burned but out on yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah. I think. I th- yeah. I. Th- I think that that emotional investment, the lack of emotional of emotional investment, is the the biggest reason why we have things like Wolfenstein, which is you know it, it's a long lasting video game series built around shooting Nazis. Like it's just yeah. that that it's there because it it provides. N- yeah, not an emotional experience. It's something else, I guess. Uh, makes you feel hmm. okay. Uh, like in our culture, Nazis are demonized, basically. Um, even though there are yeah, a lot th- of they're an easy bad guy. Yeah, um, mostly because of how repugnant they're repugnantly they're represented. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, most of them were just people. But when you're just a person who pulls a switch in a gas chamber every day, you're still a killer. Um, like it's even if you're just doing your job, like at, at some point you have to understand like you're doing bad things, um, and that's you know the, it, that that's all in the history the history of it. But like what Wolfenstein represents is, uh, is the opportunity to be a hero and to liberate, I guess, potentially, I mean, not, none of us have played it to completion. Wolfenstein two isn't even out yet. And I think it's probably going to be the same thing for far cry, right? Like yeah. far cry, it's, uh, it's going to be like, well, uh, you know, is killing this cult leader going to open the eyes of this entire community or mm-hmm. like, are they just going to go crazy and, uh, cannibalize themselves? Like uh, who knows, who knows what type of story they're trying to tell there. It's probably not going to be pretty though. Um, and it's, yeah. it's and, and it's weird. Like I really enjoy, I, I quite enjoy first person shooters and I have no interest in either one of those games actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's, uh, I uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. But, uh, you know what? Let's, uh, let's try to spiral up instead of <laughs> continuously down. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's move into, again, Candace, thank you for the email. Indeedy. Um, very hard questions with no real 
good answers presently, yeah. but um, other than oh, the the only other thing I want to mention about that, <laughs> go ahead, yeah. is that the sensationalization of you know that between the Wolfenstein and the Far Cry games, the Far Cry is like heavier hitting, but because Wolfenstein is about Nazis, it will get more press. Like Far Cry is about religious fundamentalism. Yeah, as in long America. As, yeah, yeah. And it will never ever see the kind of oh, what are what are games teaching kids? It's so terrible. Blah 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 blah. It will it will never reach the same the same tier as a Wolfenstein game. Not in North America, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you uh, unfortunately, I think you may be a little bit right. Um, it, it will never hit mainstream. Whereas, like, uh, but both the games will sell like hotcakes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and by mainstream, I mean the the stories that would come out of it, like the press coverage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Certainly, it got picked up by CBC. Uh, it's been discussed in a number of gaming outlets, but uh, I don't know if it'll ever like hit primetime or Fox News uh, stuff like that. I don't know if the president <laughs> will actually ever see it um, or care. Uh, but that's you know that's that. Um, so, Stu, what have you been playing? Oh. Have you been playing any new stuff lately? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm a victim of another of another sale. I I um over the past two or three weeks, I've been I played through Prey. Oh, nice! How did you like it? I could speak many of its praises for quite some time. I think it okay, it's it, it is. Uh, if anyone out there really enjoyed System Shock and thought that Bioshock was not really a good spiritual successor, play Prey. Yeah, I, I've heard that. Um, it, uh, I mean, I've also heard some people be pretty critical about it, um, but uh, at the end of the day, I think it probably delivers a very, like, sort of paranoia-esque experience. You're going to have to crank up the difficulty to, to get the same kind of feel of System Shock. It was a little bit... <laughs> it was a little bit... Uh, a little bit too uh, easy. A little uh, too easy for old uh, old veteran war gamer. FPS <laughs> <laughs> fanatic. Yeah, yeah, Stu, like veteran of many wars. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. But it was uh, it it was it was really good. Yeah, it it builds up on uh, some degrees of the isolation. Uh, there's a lot of um, kind of transhumanism. You know, what does it mean to be human? Kind of that almost uh, cyberpunky. Ooh, kind of ideas. I dig that stuff. It, yeah, it's I dig that stuff it's really cool. There's there's a lot of that. There there are a lot of. If you explore enough, there are a handful of. Um, kind of morality questions that do get awry, uh That that do come up. I like that too. I like um, morality and I like questioning it. Mm-hmm. It's it's neat. It's it's a uh, yeah. It's it was it was good. I'm glad I, I'm glad I grabbed it. I I would not. I think it it sells for like eighty Canadian or something. I don't have the time to drop eighty bucks on a video game. I'm I, I'm so excited for Canadian dollar to get parity with the U.S. I think it's coming. Um, I grabbed it. It was fifty percent off, and I I I I'm glad I'm glad I picked it up. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Oh, Stu, that reminds me. I am just because I've been uh, not 
in the money for so long um after having a baby and buying a house like i am watching games that i'm like when they came out i'm like oh i want that game so bad then i'd look at the price tag and i'd be like holy shit i can't afford it and, and now i'm and looking yeah and you wait six and 12 like, months and it's like it's peanuts <laughs> yeah i can buy that now yeah. yeah it's awesome um why why would i ever buy a new game I, yeah again? I, d- I don't understand that either like uh, oh my god mm, it's weird um, i like if i had the time to like devour every single video game as it was released and i had the disposable income to do that as well then i could understand it but i have neither the time nor the money and i'm yeah, perfectly no, like happy what, to lag behind a bit <laughs> like why why buy a new why buy new anymore like i mean maybe you want to support kind of stop pre-ordering yeah. oh, games you make me so yeah. sad yeah but, yeah but go listen to tb's video on that he, he, he'll do a better job than us there you go uh have you been playing anything else nope Oh, okay. Well, um, that's fair. I, I need to. Um, this is <laughs> this is going to tie into the plug. Sorry. You're going to have to talk that's about your games in a moment. Um, be, yeah, because uh, November 4th is going to be the Extra Life extra life yep. campaign thing. Uh, yep. Raising money for Sick Kids Hospital. Um, and AU Gamers is going to be helping me out with a, uh, a, a Smite one-on-one tournament. With, oh, that's actually very cool. With donation incentives. So if you, for example, have to play against Stu and you don't want him to pick an assassin, then you can pay $5. Or you can pay $20 or $25 and pick the god he's going to play. Wow. That kind of thing. So, yeah. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. So we're, we're going to, I'm trying to get as many people as I can into this tournament with just like small donation incentives to, to make people just like throw toonies at the game until the end of the day they tallied up and they're like oh shit i accidentally gave 50 dollars to a bunch of kids and that's a good thing <laughs> that is a good thing yeah so yeah i yeah. i'll always uh, yeah i i uh i've got some history with that hospital uh i love hearing that you're doing stuff like that so um as we get closer to the event i will definitely throw some money oh, at right, you yeah. <laughs> yeah sounds good um but awesome okay so uh, sorry what have you so i'm i need to get back into playing smite what are you playing jace I'm uh, right now playing three things uh, on top of the mobile stuff, but mobile gaming, um, sometimes I want to talk about it. Uh, I don't feel like it's necessary today, but... Uh, Fair enough. Okay, so um, I'm going to start with Mario 3D World for Wii U. A very slick uh, platformer. Every time I play that game, I find something new that I can do. Like um, uh, my son likes to hold on to a controller and think that he's playing until he gets tired of uh, thinking that he's playing, and then he just chews on it. So I've got <laughs> some I've got some Wii U controllers that have this nice, like, spongy, rubbery uh, uh, stuff on it. Um, and I was able to let him do that for a little while until he figured out that he actually wasn't playing at all. And then the Wii U has a tablet, and he is obsessed with tablets right now. So I was playing this game... He saw that I had the tablet, so I gave the tablet to him, and he showed me something I didn't even know I could do in um, in Mario 3D World, which is I can tap on the tablet, and it functions just like a fireball attack, so you can actually kill enemies by just tapping on the tablet, hmm. which, like, in my head, removes so much of the difficulty of the game. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I don't oh, even yeah. have to get a power-up. I just have to tap on the tablet. Um but uh whatever like it's still the game's beautifully designed there's a lot of really really cool stuff in it um i don't you know what i'm enjoying it more than uh just because the camera isn't driving me crazy than uh, mario 64 because it's a 3d platformer um 
but uh, yeah, I haven't even gotten close to the end of it yet. There's because it's it's I just haven't had the time. But it's good, and it also has four-player multiplayer, like uh, so couch couch co-op. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. And uh, that's been fun whenever we've been able to pull off uh, two two or more people. Uh, it all runs really smooth. You're stuck. You have to all stay together, so the camera moves with everyone. But uh, other than that, just uh, I've been enjoying that game a lot. Um, um, I don't know if I would introduce people to that game as like the first Mario game, though. Yeah. That's bad. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cough into it. Uh, so then, <laughs> Chrono Trigger. I'm also playing that. Oh, I'm right. playing it on the DS right now, uh, which is actually one of the smoothest ports of it I've ever found. Nice. And it's it's really really good. So Chrono Trigger is from SquareSoft. It's a it's an older uh, JRPG. Was released back in the uh, mid '90s. Famous, so uh, famous, famous yeah. JRPG. Yeah. Really, really good. The port of it is awesome. Uh, it's got uh, some extra perks for being on the DS, but at the end of the day, it's really just the original game, and it plays great. It looks great. Even today, uh, it's still holding up. The sound's awesome. The The music's good. And it took the cutscenes that were produced for the... Uh, there was a PlayStation version of Chrono Trigger that had like a bunch of anime cutscenes uh, done by Akira... Toriyama um and they're in that as well so it's just like it's the best of all worlds um nice it's the original graphics they haven't fucked things up and tried to make them all 3d or anything <laughs> yet yeah uh, which oh, was the big shit. push for 3ds yeah. uh and also some of the ds games so it's just like the regular 16-bit sprites everything looks great um and i'm just i'm having fun with that i'm working through it slow because uh, it's on the ds and i can just do that when henry's falling asleep um and then uh, the other game that I'm playing that uh, was getting a decent amount of press, even though it's in early access, was uh, Fortnite. And not, not oh. a lot of people know what this game is, but the nice. people who do seem to really like it. And so Fortnite is uh, it's for PC. I think it's also uh, early access is on uh, PS4 as well. And um, the basic concept is it's a, it's, it's a co-op zombie fighter. So, but... Oh, no, that, that's not right. It's a co-op zombie fighter builder slash explorer slash maybe squad developer because you can actually bring in your own NPCs if people don't show up to play the game um, slash en- inventory management. Like it's This game has a lot of stuff going on in the back end. Mm-hmm. I think that that will get trimmed down a little bit as the game gets closer. Uh, Today was the official rollout of PvP, so you get in a squad of four, you fight another squad of four for for shits and giggles. I have no idea how that's going to play, but um, (laughs) in a game where you can make your own bases and throw basically anything that you've learned how to construct out, like I'm having more fun with this game than I ever expected. Um, I paid to get into the early access this game is going to be free at launch. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that I'm getting right now that I will just have once things launch. So um, basically to construct anything, you need a schematic. Um, every day I get new schematics from um, from basically uh, loot crates. They're, they're pinatas in this game, so it's fun because you get to crack them open. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's sort of creative. I thought that was really funny. But... Um, 
once you have something and once you've constructed it, you can actually throw it on the ground. And uh, how how um, how schematics work is if somebody else picks it up, then they can make it. So say I've got a really good assault rifle, um, and I know somebody who uh, who wants it, who wants one. Um, what I can do is just throw the assault rifle out, and they can keep the rifle, but I can I can replicate another one, um, exact same stats and everything. Yeah. So um, there are classes in the game. Uh, you do get a different ability suite depending on which class you play, but um, I don't know. Like I, I like the way that it's playing. It's a it's a third person shooter, not a first person shooter. Um, it's got a goofy sort of cartoony art style. The, uh, the story is sort of fun, sort of engaging, but you don't have to dive into it if you don't want to. You can just sort of play side stuff. Um, like the leveling up is intuitive. It wants you to spend money, but you don't have to, uh, (laughs) the more you play the the more you get. Um, yeah, I just, I, I like what's going on. Uh, even just while I was playing, and this is early access, like while I was playing, there have been like two or three different types of promotions. So like it, it keeps things fresh. Like if you want different types of equipment or different types of heroes, they rotate them out. Um, so like you just sort of keep your eye open for stuff like that. The last phase was hydraulic equipment. So it was um, like the, the highest end stuff. Like think about raids in, in different games, like the highest end gear that you could find um this stuff it does like fancy hydraulic stuff it makes hissing and almost like steampunk style like shoots steam and all kinds of fun stuff when you use it um and it's aesthetic really uh but it it also has like a few uh different abilities and like all of the items that you get are rng so like the uh the stats that go with them like in a certain tier they're a certain level but uh the the abilities that get tacked on um like it's it's random so you can actually find a better version of your best gun uh if if you're playing enough um also you level everything from the the survivors that you find that end up uh contributing to your base to whatever character you're playing at the time because you can have a whole stable of characters to your weapons uh to your traps like everything you can level everything in that game and as you level it up you open uh, more slots of uh, of abilities for it, so there are other passive things that go with them as you level. So, lot going on, lot going on in the back. But when you're playing, it's also it also feels good. Like, um, so maybe the back end's a little bit clunky with all the different systems that they have and all the different leveling stuff that you can do. But like when you play, it feels awesome. You have tools that allow you to basically deconstruct and reconstruct all of the environments that you have. Um, Everything that you need to create something is out there somewhere. You just, like, uh, say I want to make uh, a springboard trap uh, to launch zombies as they they attack our fort. Um, what I'll usually do is I'll start beating up cars, I'll beat up fridges, I'll go into, like, cafes and stuff and beat up, um, beat up ovens to get nuts, bolts, uh, gyros, like, gas lighters, stuff like that. Um... And then I put that all together, and I just craft whatever I want. Um, and then say I want I want that that trap. Yeah, I make it. Or maybe I'll use all of that metal to make bullets, and help reinforce everybody else, and just throw bullets at people while I'm playing. Like it's, uh, yeah. Uh, I realized I just talked about it for almost ten minutes. <laughs> 
but I, I like what's going on there and nobody else I know is playing it and that's not a big deal because I also barely get to play it like yeah, I, yeah. I might play two to three hours a week um, I haven't touched it at all this week yet but uh, yeah I like what it's doing um, the co-op stuff is really cool I don't know how the PvP is going to be but I bet it's just going to be nuts and incredibly imbalanced right now because it's you know that's how new. it goes yeah um, and you could have like a team of just four ninjas or a team of four builders who make the ultimate base. Um, like, who knows? Um, I'm sure they'll be they'll they'll have to tackle those problems as they go. But the the co-op is fun. The co-op is a lot of fun. So I'm enjoying it. And it's different. It's really different. That that is a really big draw, and like just so much of gaming is based off of just finding a new experience right yeah well it's a bunch of stuff that we've done before but it's like if minecraft and um well not really left for dead but just uh, just anything like anything with a new tool like yeah. like it's like the old adage that like doesn't matter what you're doing it would be better with a grappling hook <laughs> Well, I think you can make grappling hooks. Well, well, well yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I know, you, I'm pick, joking. Yeah. you pick a thing, you add a grappling hook, and it's better. Like it's just, yeah. it's just, just a slight variation to provide such a new experience with a thing. You know. Yeah. Um. Like I'm just uh, here. Here's a good example. Um. There's different classes you can play. One of the classes is called an out outlander and basically you're a ranger you go out and you just find whatever anybody needs and when you play this class stuff shows up on your map that like basically you light up the map yeah so when you see something you remember it you report it back to everybody else who you're playing with um other people can't do that there's also builders who when they build stuff it's stronger or better or it goes faster there's soldiers who when they shoot guns they kill things better and then there's ninjas who are basically like agile martial artists but like i was playing the outlander and something happened and it was so cool like i i ran over something and there was a a survivor around and i heard the survivor and it lit up on the map and that doesn't always happen um, other other people, if they encounter a survivor, like they'll hear them, but sometimes it doesn't show up on the map. Yeah. But because I was even just near the person, it showed up. All this other stuff showed up, but I'm like, I can hear the person screaming. And by screaming, I mean shouting to get my attention, but I had no idea where they were. And I'm like, I'm walking back and forth, back and forth, and it's just like the ruins of this gas station. So I'm just like, okay, well, like, where where is this person? I have no idea. And then it dawned on me as I was standing in the ruins of the gas station, this person's under the cement of the gas station. So I dug down and I found this mine shaft and the person was in the mine shaft. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Fantastic. Like that is so cool. Like you had the audio cue cause these levels, they're all generated RNG, yeah. right? Like it's all just random. It's a uh, within reason. I think, I think it's sort of like modules that sort of get stuffed yeah, together, yeah, yeah. but like, um, yeah, it's all just random. So like that just naturally occurred uh, in the, uh, the the whole process, and that was really cool. And I felt like accomplishment. I saved that person. It gave us some extra points because the more stuff you find when you're an outlander, the more you get. Actually, anybody anybody can go out and do that role. But uh, you get awarded for fighting. You get awarded for building. You get awarded for uh, going out and scavenging. Like there's you feel like you're contributing no matter what you do. And uh, yeah. that was just a cool extra. 
Nice. So yeah, uh, digging Fortnite. Um, probably gonna keep playing that for a little bit because I don't think I'm gonna be able to afford anything else, <laughs> and it uh, it's engaging. Like I enjoy pictures, it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if nobody else plays, I still enjoy playing it by myself. So nice. Yeah. And that's it for me. Right. So um, maybe we'll get this close to a close. We're we're doing good. This is the uh, longest I think. It's, it's up there, and there's there yeah. there is one last thing that I want to pimp out tonight. Okay. I yeah. know. So it's been a long. It 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 is a long long episode, but uh, I found out yesterday that Ill Winter Games. No, that doesn't ring a bell. Is um, did I'm just did, did officially announce the release date of early November for Dominions Five? Wait, <laughs> are you serious? Which I'm really excited about. <laughs> are okay? D- did they improve the fighting at all? There's a there there are um, there are a bunch of changes. Um, if you can go to illwinter.com slash dom5 slash index.html and they have like a list of all the things that are we there. We love the shit out Dude, of that Dominions game. is great. Yeah. I, like, I, yeah. you could be so many different gods. It's, it's, fa- it's <laughs> fantastic, yeah. Oh, and it, it looks like uh, from three to four felt like fewer changes. Four to five, it looks like there's some more some substantial things going on. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah, because we but, played the uh, snot out of three, I think. Yeah. And it was uh, a questionably was really acquired neat. copy, yeah. But but, sh- but, but it was really neat. Yeah, awesome. I have four in my Steam library to make up for it. Yeah. I played more three than four, so I do. I feel good about buying four. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's cool news because I enjoyed that yeah. game a lot. So, uh, for anybody who doesn't know anything about Dominions, it's uh, basically a, a it's a turn based strat where you are a god trying to grow your nation um, you're trying to take over the world dominion it's, yeah, yeah the the grown-up god who created the world finally like died or something and all the pretender gods are now reawakening and they're you know you and every other player is a pretender god trying to take over the world yeah um was four just like a more robust version of three yeah there were small th- there were a bunch of changes in quality of life things and like some mechanical changes and stuff but i five looks like they spent more effort doing more things to make more good well yeah <laughs> i mean just because like the options like you could be um in in three i remember you could be anything from like the god of trolls to uh to to like a valkyrie merman or norse or oh, or lizard men best. or just slave oriented or yeah well uh, yeah the, yeah the, the dragons or the the best was the deep ones like you could yeah. actually be cthulhu which was nuts yeah and and most of the it's neat because most of the nations are actually based off of either actual historical civilizations or their pantheons and what they envisioned so yeah. There's there's a whole like it's actually a good candidate for um, um, a target for one of our games down the road. But uh, cool man, yeah, cool. But want to put it out there because I want to support those guys. They're they're really cool. I'm absolutely gonna well, be getting. They're going in the show notes. I can. So yeah, wow, one yeah. of those few games we buy new. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it absolutely is for me, and it it is yeah. one of the few that I will without hesitation grab it because I know it will be quality. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I don't know if I have um, any big shout outs today. I mean, shout out to Candace, shout out to Greg for uh, shooting us emails. Um, 
Shout out to Geek Therapy Network because every time I go there and actually talk in their community, they are so receptive and excited about what we're doing, even though we're just really amateurs. Just, um, <laughs> we're still in the kiddie pool. We'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> we can't even handle a question from Candace without <laughs> <laughs> getting all emotional about it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know what? I think maybe we'll close this one down. So. Um, if you, the audience, want to know more about Learn From Gaming Podcast, uh, we've got all kinds of social media. Uh, Facebook is running just fine. Twitter is running just fine. Uh, you can check out our website at learnfromgaming.com. Um, and you know what? We're also on iTunes. I've been trying to get us on uh, Google Play. There's some weird stuff going on there with coding um, that I have to figure out. But, uh, I mean, we're, we're out there. If uh, if you actually listen to us on iTunes, uh, drop uh, drop us a rating. I, I don't mind if you give us a one-star or a five-star. Just, you know, give us a rating and tell us how we're doing because that's actually what I'd like to know is uh, how people feel that we're doing so far. And, that, so, and that's how we get better. Yeah, yeah, we'll improve. If you tell us what you don't like, uh, we'll try to accommodate you. Yeah. As long as you're not Greg saying uh, you wish that we read your whole email, because <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. That was just it was it was it was so much yeah. bigger than I, I, was I put it into. I copy and pasted it into Notepad because I wanted a word count. And Notepad crashed, so there you go. <laughs> that's that's funny. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, um, I hope you're joking. Um, <laughs> But yeah, thank you everybody for for joining us today. Thank you, Stu, for taking the time out of your day. And uh, yeah, man, uh, just uh, have yourself a good night. And hopefully, we can do this again soon. And tune in next time because we'll be better.